Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. Hello, and welcome to Kindling Helpline. I'm Lucy Kippist and not Siobhan Hunt. Siobhan is taking a very well-earned day off today, and I'm trying to fill her very big shoes. Joining me, as she does every week, is Mother Christ Nurse Chris Minogue. Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you, Lucy? Good, thanks. Chris, you've got over 30 years' experience helping parents and carers with everything from pre-birth nerves, bringing baby home, settling, and you name it, you've seen it. Pretty much. So this is your opportunity to ask Chris your questions. Leave your questions below the Facebook Live video on Kindling's Facebook page or if you're listening back via the Kindling Conversation podcast, shoot us an email at conversation at kindling.com.au. First up, we have a question from Caroline, who has a 22-month-old. She says, uh, Caroline wrote in a few weeks ago about her son's day nap and moving it around to fit in with picking up her older son from school. She says... I have a follow-up question for Chris in regards to the nap time issue. My 22-month-old naps at the same time I need to pick up my older one from school. I know Chris mentioned try not to let him go a week without having at least five days of naps and the other two I can wing. My question now is he typically naps around 12.30, sometimes one, and always for a good two hours minimum. What if I tried to put him down earlier for a nap around 12 even if it was just a short nap for one hour, as opposed to waiting until two o'clock for a nap and probably making bedtime too late for us here. Even if that means me waking him up earlier in the morning, what's a typical wake time before a nap for a child this age? Thanks so much. Okay, Caroline. So the typical awake time is somewhere between five and a half hours and six hours. So if he woke at six, 6.30, they're usually at 22 months going down to sleep about 12.30. So if she needs to go and do the school run at two, that'd at least give him an hour and a half. And I think an hour and a half at two and a half, I mean, sorry, at 22 months would be much better than an hour. I think he'd struggle on the hour. Because generally from when they wake up, they're pretty good for about five and a half hours. So if he's up at one, he'd be struggling by 6.30. So I think, Caroline, you could probably put him down at 12.30 mm-hmm. um, and get him up for two to go and do that school run, if I remember, for 2.30. So I'd give that a try. I think if you put him down at 12, he'll just muck around until he's tired and then he won't get a nap at all. So I think 12 might be a little bit early for him because I think you'd have to get him up so much earlier for him to be tired enough to go straight to sleep at 12. So if you've got that little leeway at 12.30 in an hour and a half, then he'd be up at 2, he'd go down about 7.30. And at a push, if you put him down at 12.30 and got him up at 1.30, you'd have to put him down at 6.37. So I think you'll have to work that out to see what suits him and how fast he'll go to sleep. Okay, that's great. Thanks so much for that question, Caroline. Um, Our next question comes from Kylie, who has a 14-month-old. Kylie says, I need some advice regarding pacifiers or dummies. Um, My child is now 14 months old and she is sleeping really well, 11 to 12 hours a night. (laughs) 
Who are you, Kylie? That's amazing. She does one nap of about two or so hours. I have no complaints. However, her current sleep associations are a comforter, pacifier or dummy, white noise and sleeping bag. She will wake a few times at night when the dummy falls out and while she can find them herself now, she sometimes wakes up fully and has a good whinge. If it's around the 4am mark, sometimes she won't go back to sleep or it takes a long time. I never really intended of her to have the dummy this long. I was really just avoiding the thumb sucking. A speech Ooh. specialist recommended losing the dummy by 12 months. I never let her have the dummy outside of sleep time. And when she wakes, I ask her to give it to me and she happily obliges. I would like to know if dummies are a problem and I'd like to know how to get her to sleep without it. Is there a good time to remove it? My daughter is going to start daycare in August and I'm not sure if I should remove it by then or give her another thing for comfort while she's settling. Thanks. Well, I think this is a really common question that lots Mm. of people would ask about the dummy. And the thing that I would say is that in the long term, dummies can really affect speech. But I think you're using it the right way. It's only in association with going to sleep. So she has it once going down at night and and once during the day when she goes down. I think the problem is the multiple wake-ups overnight, the two or three times. So the pattern is really good and she's sleeping really well. But I think the disturbance will come with those dummy drops that she's doing overnight. And maybe all you need to do is just get her to do a bit of self-settling overnight where the dummy, she isn't necessarily the quickest and the first dancer. So give her a bit of time to try and sort herself out with that comforter that she's got Mm. in her bed. The common thing is it rolls out and it falls out of the bed and then they can't find it. So in essence, what you're doing is perfectly fine in terms of the teeth teeth development because she's only having it twice a day for about 10 minutes till she goes to sleep and you can actually sustain that until whatever age you want to give it up now if you chose to give it up and say let's just get rid of it get it out of the way you at 14 months you literally have to take it off them so she's got her three other comforts she's got the comforter she's got a sleeping bag she's got the white noise And you literally just have to go through two or three days where you say there's no more dummy and you give her a kiss and a cuddle and you give her the comfort and put her down. She's going to take longer to go to sleep. You might have to go in a few times to give her a kiss and a cuddle and pop her back down again. But if if your main concern is the fact that she still has the dummy, that's how you get rid of it. But actually what I would do is just do a bit of that self-settling overnight and see if we can get her to sleep longer without needing to get that dummy being put back in again. And you might find that there's a happy medium where she takes it to go to sleep, but she doesn't need it overnight. In terms of going to daycare, I think in August, um, you have to make that decision. She needs to get rid of the dummy if you needed to at least two months before she goes to daycare just so that the transition is a little bit easier for her because she's got other things that she's taking on board by going off to daycare for her it'll be lots of fun but it's that separation and if not then just make sure that if she has a dummy at daycare that it is restricted to her going to sleep and not giving it any other time and I think you'll be doing okay. So I think this one's more a personal mm. decision mm-hmm. um, and it, she probably just needs a little bit more resettling at night or self-settling at night just to make the balance a little bit easier for everyone. Okay, great. Thanks so much for that question, Kylie. And please feel free to reach out again and let us know how you're doing. Otherwise, good luck. Um, okay, next question is Mickley is looking for some tips on getting her one-year-old to sleep on his own. 
She says, hello, I was wondering if you have any tips or tricks on how to get my one-year-old boy to go to sleep on his own. I've gotten into the habit of putting him to sleep in my arms, then putting him to bed. He sleeps in his own bed and I put him to sleep in my arms for all sleeps, including daytime. Okay, so it, the only thing it doesn't tell us is how long and how well he sleeps. So for, in, in, for, for instance... If you rock a baby or even a one-year-old for five minutes and you put him into bed and he sleeps for 12 hours, I, I don't see the problem with rocking him. It's just a form mm. of comfort. It could be somebody else's dummy. Um, the problem comes if you have to go in multiple times, get him up, rock him off to sleep and put him back down again, which probably is somewhere within this question. So um, in essence, what you're going to have to do is he's used to that body comfort to go to sleep up against you. They often stroke your hair or stroke your Mm. clothing at this age. So we're going to have to try and get that confidence uh, or that that confidence for him in the bed. So we're going to have to put him in the bed and tell him it's night time and actually lay him down and probably put your hands on him for a few minutes and give him a few minutes padding and then walk out. Uh, But only leave him for a few minutes, then come back in, put your hands on him, pat him again. Because it's that, that um, pressure that he receives when you hold him that's his cue to go to sleep mm. so if you just pop him in the cot and walk away and say oh, okay you're going to cry for 10 minutes like a traditional control crying the thing that's going on for him is he doesn't actually know how to put himself to sleep because he's used to this sort of pressure on his body the arms around him the, the head on the shoulder to go to sleep so we have to show him so I think you should lay him down so he gets the pressure of the bed on his body and your hands are on his back and you pat 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 till he's calm and quiet and then step away and just do it in really small amounts of time frame and then as he's getting more comfortable with it increase your time frame so he's taking comfort from something else in the bed. And, and like the previous um, uh, question, giving him a comforter might help because it might give him something to hold on to and to nurture into yeah. to be able to make that transition from being held to being put in a bed. So I'd take a little bit of time. I'd work out what it is that you, the messages that you give him when you rock him, like where he's positioned. I'd mimic it in the bed. And I'd leave it for short periods of time for the first couple of days to reassure him, go back and reassure him, and then slowly increase the time so that he becomes more independent in going to bed on his own. Okay, great. Yeah. That sounds like it can be a bit tricky, Mickley, but keep yep. in touch and let us know how it all goes. Uh, this is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue on Com- Kindling Conversation. And you may have noticed that I'm not Siobhan Hunt. I'm Lucy Kippist, online editor here at Kindling Kids Radio. Siobhan's taking a well-deserved um, day off. If you'd like to ask Chris a question about anything from weaning to toddler tantrums, pop your questions below if you're watching along on Facebook Live or if you're tuning in via the Kindling Conversation podcast, you can send us an email at conversation at kindling.com.au. Okay, our next question comes from Erin, who has a three-and-a-half-year-old boy. She says, I need some help with my three-and-a-half-year-old toddler. He's in big boy undies now and only wears nappies at night, which I'm fine with. My issue is that when he's at kinder, he would tell his teachers when he needs to go to the toilet, but anywhere else, mostly at home, he won't tell us. I take him to the toilet every two hours or so to make sure we don't have any accidents, but if I leave him to come to me, then he just wheeze and then comes to tell me when he's done a wee. 
I've tried positive encouragement when he does a wee, sticker rewards, special treats like lollies, not making a big deal at all, and nothing seems to be working. I have said to him that if he keeps it up, he will have to wear nappies again like a baby. I say, do you want to be a big boy or a baby? And he says, big boy, but this is still continuing. Help, my poor carpet can't take it anymore. <laughs> oh, you poor thing, Erin. What, what would you suggest here, Chris? This is a bit unusual because most kids are the other way around. Yeah. Like they, they can cope at home because it, it all feels safe and secure. And then at daycare, that's where maybe we have a little bit more trouble. The only thing about daycare is that they're quite, um, they do toilet timing. So the kids will go off to the bathroom and wash their hands before morning tea, lunchtime, afternoon tea. So there's a real rhythm Mm. in doing that. And I suspect somewhere along the line, he's lost that ability at home. And now what's coming, coming up for him is that the more you keep trying to get him to do it, the more he's not doing it. So I think we have to go back a step and toilet time him would probably be the easiest thing. So when he gets up in the morning, you put his big boy undies on him, you've, you've taken him to the bathroom, and then I'd let it go a little bit till about morning tea. And, and I know that that could be two hours, like if you got up at seven, it could be nine, but I'd actually let it go for about two and a half hours and then I'd just make the comments really incidental. I wouldn't take him to the toilet. I'd just say, do you need to go to the bathroom now? So just these gentle little mm-hmm. reminders because I think he might be waiting for you to take him to the toilet, whereas oh. he's not initiating it because it's got to the point where you're just taking him and he's doing a wee and you're, it's dry, but it's, you're still having to take him. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't connected those two things yeah. together. So I'd go back to toilet timing in your mind. I'd go change the language. Do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you want to do a wee before we go to the park? Those sort of gentle reminders. And that's similar to the probably the language that they give him at daycare. So next time you pick him up from daycare, ask them what they say to him. So do they actually say, do you need to go to the toilet? And then he goes to the toilet. Mm. Or does he literally come up to them and say, I need to go to the toilet? So if we can define what that behaviour and language is at daycare and mimic that at home, I think you've probably got the answer. But I think at the moment, because it's become an issue and you're taking him to the toilet every two hours, he's just waiting for you to take him. And we need to put it a little bit more. And the other thing is, I wouldn't give him any treats. So I, I, I would give him a treat if he had a great week. But I wouldn't give him a treat because he's done it. Because I think the expectation is that, he, okay, I've done it. Now where's my next treat? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I think I'd pull back and try and make this really relaxed. And it's just part of the day that we live in. And we're going to do the shopping. So do you need to do a wee before we go the shopping? No. Well, then just tell mummy when you need to do a wee. And, and try and think about the language that they might use at daycare that might help you at home. Yep. Yeah. Great. Okay. Thanks for the question, Erin, and please let us know how you go. Uh, next up is a question from Hannah on Facebook. My 10-month-old is due to start childcare in three weeks for two full days a week. The centre doesn't have a recommended orientation process. Oh. What would you recommend in terms of visits over the next three weeks to help her settle in? She has quite active separation anxiety, preferring mum to everyone else, and stranger anxiety. She's also been a very cuddly, read a bit clingy baby. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, go really slow with her. And I, um, when I talk to mums about starting their children in daycare, 
if possible, we had this little rhythm that we used to help the child get used to going to daycare. Um, so the first week, so it's a three-week process and you've got three weeks, so it might work. The first week on the two days that she's going to daycare, you just drop her off between her sleeps. So you don't try and stress them out by trying to go to sleep in a strange area with strange people in a room with multiple babies or multiple children in it. So maybe that first week you drop her off after her morning sleep around 10 o'clock and you pick her up before her lunchtime sleep. So that might only be an hour and a half she's there. It might be only two hours that she's there. So we have, it's all about play in those days. We're not, we're not asking her, she might have a meal there and she might not eat, mm-hmm. um, but we're not asking her to do something really big like put herself to sleep in a strange environment. So um, the next one, the second week, is we do a short day. So it includes one sleep. So what I would do is drop her off at 8.30. Might include that first morning sleep, which is usually shorter at 10 months. And then a little play, but you pick her up before her afternoon sleep. So Mm -hmm. we're seeing how she can cope with just one sleep. Um, And then on the third week, before you go back full time, you drop her off at the time you want to drop her off generally to see who's there and how many kids are there and whether she's handed over to the same person, all of these little things that help a child to adjust to daycare. And then, but you might pick her up at 3.30. And then hopefully on the fourth week, when you mimic your normal working day, she's much more aware of what's going on. Now, it may take her up to six weeks to actually fully adjust and easily go over to someone. But at least if we've got that three weeks to get her started, she's going to be a long, lot further down that track in adjusting to daycare. Yeah. But yeah, take it really slowly, spend five minutes there with her beforehand and then say goodbye and then walk away. The girls are really professional. There's lots of babies that cry when they get handed over and she's just got to make that adjustment. So small amounts and then increasing it will probably do the trick. Sounds good. Good advice. Uh, Next up, we have a question from Shihara, who has a three-month-old. She says, my daughter suddenly refuses her bottle, both EBM and formula, express breast milk. I tried going one size up with the teat. She's mostly breastfed. We only gave her the bottle once in a while when we're out and about. Any uh, help and tips would be much appreciated. So this is really common when people give one-off bottles in a young baby, say a six to eight-week-old, and then they may not give another one for two weeks or 10 days or a week. And the baby's just getting better and better at breastfeeding. So when the bottle goes in their mouth, they actually um, don't want it, don't like it. Um, They're not used to the texture because they're very different texture, the the silicon of the teat to the the softness of a breast. And I think that's what's happened here. Mm. She's just got better and better at breastfeeding. And so then when you put a bottle in, she doesn't really want it. Now, it's not an easy task to turn around, but I'll tell you what I would suggest you do and we'll cross our fingers to see if she'll do it. At the end of the day, your milk supply is often at its lowest point because you've been busy all day. And in the sequence that I do for an evening routine called Feed Bath Feed, where potentially you have one breast, then a bath, then the other breast... If you could just get 40 mils of um, express milk, breast milk, in this case I would use expressed if you had it, and warm it up and give it to her first, when she's sort of um, hungry enough to want to feed and your milk supply is a little bit low, so she's a little bit eager to do it. So take that bit of breast milk, then the bath, then a full breast feed after it, so we haven't missed a breast feed. 
often if you repeat that five out of seven days, suddenly it'll come back on how to take a bottle. So then when you want to do a one-off bottle going out and you've expressed and put milk in the bottle, the baby will take it. So I think she's just lost the ability to do it, but it's really common. You have to give bottles when mix feeding frequently for them to sustain the ability to move between the two. Yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, Otherwise they just don't, they don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've only got one uh, time for one more question. So if we haven't got to yours next Monday, we'll be answering all the questions we didn't get time to today. So don't worry. Um, the question comes from Gillian, who wrote in a few weeks ago. <laughs> She says, it's Gillian from Burma. Thanks to your great advice, our trip back to Yangon went really well and Joshua is settling into life here, as am I. He's using the ergo pouches and I'm wondering when we release his arms and how do we know when to do this? Plus, what is the best way to manage this transition? I'm sure it will be difficult for him at first. Joshua is three months old and he isn't rolling yet. I feel like it won't be too long. Great question. So I saw Gillian before they went off to Burma, so I'm really glad it worked, the trip and advice. Um, so generally speaking, we transition them into arms free or into a sleeping bag when they're starting to roll a little bit more, which is commonly between four and six months. So some babies are a little bit slower, other babies, you know, they're really rolling over at four months. So as soon as you stay, start to see that movement, you want their arms free. Mm. So ideally, because he's in the ergo pouch, which has the buttons down the side, as you notice him starting to really roll on his side and almost go over, or he does an incidental roll over on the floor, then we're going to take one arm out and give him a few days just to get used to that one arm out because often it flaps because it's not used to being out and he moves around a lot. So I usually put one arm out. Some babies enjoy holding something really small in their hand just to slow their arm movement down mm. and give that about two to three days and then put both arms out. I think it's one of the hardest adjustments that they make. Of, of all the adjustments, I think this one's a little bit hard. But I would give yourself a week to achieve the whole thing. So one arm out and it'll take about two or three days for him just to get used to having one arm out, then both arms out. And then again, it's going to take him about three days to get used to it and then he'll do fine. I'm really glad it's going well for you. Well, that's great. Uh, thank you so much for all your questions today. That's all we have time for on Kindling Helpline. Don't forget to subscribe to the Kindling Conversation podcast where you can find all of Chris's advice and much more about all sorts of parenting topics. Chris, as always, thank you for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure. That was Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue and this has been Kindling Helpline. If you've got a question for Chris for next time, you can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au.